So this morning as we prepare for our, our service of believers' baptism, we are going to examine the baptism of Jesus. Jesus went to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And we are not going to conclude that believers' baptism today is exactly like Jesus' baptism because his baptism was unique and it was specific to his mission. But what we are going to see is that at his baptism, certain things were revealed that are very significant for us, namely the, the breadth and the depth of his ministry were revealed. The breadth in the sense that it was declared there that he is a light to all the nations. He's not just for one tribe. He's a light to the nations. And the depth in the sense that he's going to pour out his very spirit, the Holy Spirit, on all who believe to refine and purify us. And so those who are baptized today are, are basically declaring that they are experiencing that breadth and that depth. They're not showing up saying, I've arrived, but they're saying the things we're talking about with Jesus, I'm experiencing those things. And so wherever you are in your walk with God, I hope that this passage is an encouragement to you. I hope it, it draws you closer to Jesus and a relationship with him. As I was studying this passage this week, I, I was reminded of several conversations I've had with people over the years. And uh, sometimes the impression I get when people are considering a relationship with Christ is they basically assume, well, if I really follow Christ, it's going to be draining in terms of energy, time, probably financially, and I just don't know if I can afford that right now. About a year ago, I was talking with a young man, and I was, we got to this place in our conversation. I said, are you, are you actually interested in learning about Christ? Are you interested in becoming a follower of Christ? And his just immediate response was, I don't have time for that right now. I need to get my, figure out my life. I need to figure out my career. And basically, I got the message is, I can't afford a relationship with Jesus right now. It's, gonna, it's too expensive. I think we're going to come out of Matthew 3, the story of Jesus, the account of Jesus' baptism, concluding we cannot afford not to follow Jesus in light of what he offers us, in light of what he brings us. And so to set the context, we'll land in Matthew 3, but to set the context, I just want to point out that one of the things that the, the gospel of Matthew and Luke stress is that John was crystal clear that Jesus was superior to him, that, that John said, I'm not the Messiah, Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, even at his, before he was born, Luke 1 records this fascinating uh, interchange between John's mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus' mother, Mary. And in many ways, they were opposites. Uh, Elizabeth was, was older, she had a hard time conceiving. Uh, Mary was younger, and she conceived while she was a virgin, so just very much opposite. Their pregnancies overlapped by about three months, and on one occasion, Mary went to visit Elizabeth, and we're told in Luke 1 that when Mary's voice hit Elizabeth's ears, that the baby within her leaped for joy. And so John the Baptist, in utero, in some way acknowledged, I'm in the presence of someone that is greater than I am. And John would have grown up knowing Jesus and hearing about Jesus. Oh, yeah, Jesus, he stayed behind in Jerusalem. He's 12 years old. He stayed behind because he wanted to spar with the, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees in the, in the temple. And when John started his public ministry, he was about 30 years old. When he started it, he was very clear. I'm not the Messiah. I am the forerunner for the Messiah. I am preparing his way. And so John came preaching the same message that, that Jesus preached. We talked about it last week. He said, repent. 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, God's takeover of this world, establishing his kingdom, his eternal kingdom, it's begun. And you want to be on his side. You want to side with God. You don't want to side against him. Therefore, you need to have a radical reorientation of your life and believe the gospel. And the way that people demonstrated their repentance was by being baptized by John. It was called a baptism for repentance. And so if we pick up the the account of Matthew 3, verses 5 and 6, we read, Then Jerusalem was going out to him, to John the Baptist, and all Judea, and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. And so as evidence of their repentance... They went into the water with John, and they were baptized. And so if you lived in Jerusalem, and you went out to the Jordan River, and you went under the water with, in the Jordan water, John baptized you, everybody knew you were making a clean break with the old way of life, okay? You had turned from that. You had turned back to God and his kingdom. But as dramatic and decisive as that baptism was, look what John said down in verse 11. He says, as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, John is referring to one thing there, not two, because there's one, one preposition that governs Holy Spirit and fire. And so he's talking about he will, he will flood you, he will pour out his spirit on you, and fire often represented purifying or refining He will pour out a spirit upon you, and the spirit will refine you. The spirit will purify you. That's what the Holy Holy Spirit, one of the things the Holy Spirit does. And this would have been heard as fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies that one day God would pour out his spirit on all of humanity, Ezekiel 36. Look at verse 12. As well, the one who baptized with the Holy Spirit, he says, His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. We're told this very consistently throughout Scripture that one day God will gather all of his people to himself and he will dwell among them. Uh, Scripture teaches that everybody is going to live somewhere for eternity. And John assures everybody that wants in the kingdom of God, absolutely, you are welcome to enter. But if you don't want God and you don't want to be in the presence of God, you will not be in the presence of God. And so that's why this is called the gospel. The good news is all you have to do is repent and believe the gospel. Well, given John's understanding that Jesus was superior to him in power and in person, let's notice how he responded when Jesus showed up at the Jordan River. Look down at verses 13 and 14. When Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him, to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him saying, I have need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? And so the fact that John tried to prevent Jesus, that makes perfect sense, right? We would say, absolutely. Why would Jesus come? And, and you can almost hear John thinking is like Jesus why are you coming out here? This is a baptism for repentance. Remember, people were coming and confessing their sins, repenting and being baptized. He says, 
Jesus, John was thinking, Jesus, you don't need to get down in the water with all these, these sinful people. As long as I've known you, you have been devoted to the will of your Father. You love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Uh, you love your neighbor as yourself. And John was thinking, as a matter of fact, Jesus, I've got a better idea. How about you baptize me? And that makes perfect sense to us, the logic of that, right? We're thinking the same thing. Jesus is sinless. Why would he go down to, be, to, to receive this baptism for repentance? What was he thinking? Well, we're told what he was thinking in verse 15. But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us, John and Jesus, the two of us, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. And so if John baptized Jesus at that time in the history of redemption, together they would fulfill all righteousness. It would be the fullest expression of what was most right, what was most true, what was most good for Jesus to be baptized by John in the Jordan. But we still wonder, how is that the case? Since Jesus wasn't repenting for his own sins, I think we have to conclude that Jesus was being baptized as an expression of repentance for other people's sins, my sins and your sins. It's one more ev evidence that Jesus so identified with humanity in our sinfulness that he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Just as he took on flesh and blood and identified with us, uh, he poured out his life on the cross for us. He was baptized as an expression of repentance for our sins. Just as he did not die for his sins, being sinless, he was not baptized as a repentance for his sins. Well, consider the pronouncement that was made after Jesus' baptism. Verse 16, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he, speaking of John, saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Did you notice the Trinity there? God the Father spoke from heaven, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended onto the son who was baptized. And so the triune God was present and engaged at the baptism of Jesus. And what we're told in verses 16 and 17 here echo the words of Isaiah 42.1. People who knew the Old Testament, they would have immediately thought, that's what Isaiah 42.1 was talking about. And there we read, God is describing the servant he would send who would bring justice to the nations, not just Israel, but God declares this in Isaiah 42.1, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. And so it is baptism, the chosen one in whom my soul delights. That was echoed when God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then he says in the last half of the verse, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. And so God, just as God promised to put his spirit upon him, the spirit of God descended like a dove upon Jesus. 
And so he promises to send this servant who would, would uh, have the Holy Spirit, who would be beloved. And we see that in verse chapter 42 of Isaiah. We keep reading chapter 49. God says of this same servant, it's too small a thing that I would send him only to Judah, to one small tribe. Actually, he will be a light to the nations. We keep reading, we get to Isaiah 53, and he says, actually, this servant, he's going to be a man of sorrows. He is the one on whom all of our iniquities will be, be placed. And so he will die as our substitute in our place. And so at the baptism of Jesus, God declared, this one is that servant. He is the servant that I promised to send to you. And so this speaks to the breadth and the depth of Jesus' ministry. And so we've seen here today the baptism of Jesus tells us at least three foundational things about what he does in the world. And so let me just review those very quickly. Number one, Jesus is the suffering servant who is bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. That was Jesus, the scope of his ministry. So among other things, this means that nobody is beyond the, the, the reach of God's salvation. In that day, in Israel... They would have said, the Gentiles, no way. They're, they don't even have a chance with God. They're so, they're so uh, separate from God. They are so anti-God. There is no way that they will experience salvation. The suffering servant came and said, actually, I'm a light to the nations, the Gentiles, anybody. This barrier has been broken down. And from that vantage point of Israel in the first century, guess who is the remotest part, who is in the remotest part of the earth? Us right here. Google tells me we're 6,600 miles away from Jerusalem, right? And so the, the servant is, is a light to the nations. And so some of you grew up in, in Christ-centered homes, and you grew up hearing the Scripture and loving God from a young age. Some of the testimonies we'll see, that was the case. Others of you, that was not the case for you. And you might feel like you're an outsider looking in, and you wonder, is it, is it really possible that I could have this, this personal, intimate relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? Oh, absolutely. The Son was sent as a light to the nation to bring his salvation to anyone who would accept it. You are not beyond the grace of God. You have not sinned too often or too terribly. The grace of God is available to you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The second thing we see it is Jesus' baptism. The second thing it reveals is that Jesus knows our condition and our lives exhaustively. The fact that Jesus was baptized for us should remind us that he identifies with us in a very radical, comprehensive way. The book of Hebrews stresses this uh, really, really uh, in, a, in a powerful way. It says in Hebrews 2, he had to be made like us in every respect so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest, so that he could represent us before God. Hebrews 4 tells us that he has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, we can draw near to God through him with great confidence for the grace and mercy that we need. And so I would ask you, what is your greatest weakness? What is your greatest temptation? What is your deepest sorrow. See, sometimes when we experience 
uh, temptation and guilt and sorrow, we want to pull back from God. Uh, sometimes I know when I get kind of whiny and I feel sorry for myself and I think nobody deals with what I'm dealing with, nobody has it as bad as me, I feel I, I, I start to, to pull away from God. And then I remember, no, actually, Jesus is so identified with me that he knows exactly what I'm going through. And therefore, I can draw near to God with confidence. And so I would encourage you, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're experiencing, draw near to God through Jesus and experience the mercy and grace that you need. He is willing and able to come to our rescue. Third thing revealed at Jesus' baptism is that he is refining us through the promised Holy Spirit. His baptism confirmed that he, he indeed is the one who would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so if you are a follower of Christ, I would urge you to expect and to welcome the refining work of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is not something, something mean that the Spirit does only to certain people he's really upset with. No, this is a kind thing that the Spirit does because we need, to, we need to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Just as we were created in the image of God, but one of the things that the Spirit does is conform us to the image of Jesus Christ, undoing the effects of the fall. And so Jesus' baptism reminds us of the depth of his ministry in our lives. And so I hope you're encouraged by that. I hope that prompts you to draw closer to God through Jesus. Those who are being baptized to, uh, today uh, would, would, would by, basically by their testimony, they are saying that they have put their faith in Jesus Christ and they want to experience these things. They have in some measure, they want it to increase. They're saying the suffering servant died for me, even though I live at the ends of the earth. He sought me and he found me. They are saying that Jesus is my high priest. He understands me comprehensively. Therefore, I draw near to him when I, when I have need of mercy and grace. And they would each say, I welcome the refining work of the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit to teach me how to observe everything that Jesus has commanded. That's the Great Commission. And so this past week, those that are baptized today, they each came in and Chris videotaped them. And uh, we're going to show now excerpts of all eight uh, of these stories. And then afterwards, uh, we have one baptism. We had seven baptized already today, but uh, Catherine Escobar is going to be baptized after you watch, uh, watch these stories. And so turn your attention to the screen, if you would, and be, be encouraged by what God is doing in these lives. <laughs> 